0: In this episode of Info Product Mastery, I'll share three resources that help me successfully learn marketing and copywriting as a programmer and developer. This is Info Product Mastery, episode 15. Welcome to Info Product Mastery, the podcast that helps developers make life-changing money by building and selling online courses. I'm your host, Adrian Rosebrock. And before we go into the main topic of the show, I want to share a few testimonials that the Info Product Mastery podcast has received. This is an idea I heard from a, a few other podcasts I listened to, and I think it's awesome. First, receiving positive feedback helps motivate me to create new episodes of the show. And secondly, it gives chance for listeners' voices to be heard live on the show, and I think this is pretty special. This first review comes from the username Ray Re one my go-to, the only fluff-free info products podcast out there among the five shows I've checked out on this topic. Not salesy either, just packed with useful info based on deep research and experience. So grateful to find this. Well, wow, thank you so much for that review. That means a lot to me. And there are a lot of these high-level salesy business podcasts out there. I know how frustrating it can be to listen to a 40-minute episode expecting to learn a new technique. And then you come up empty-handed. It was all fluff. It was all hype. There was no real meat to it, so to speak. It makes you feel like you wasted your time. And that's never a good feeling. And I'll, I'll tell you something else about wasting your time. I, if you notice, I've been switching back and forth between microphones the past, past couple episodes. I've had this headset, and I have a dedicated mic on a boom. Well, that dedicated mic kept causing recording issues. And this episode that I'm recording now, this is actually the third time I've recorded And man, that is so obnoxious. I I think in my entire life, I've never had to redo work three times, period. I don't think that's ever, ever happened in my life. And when you listen to some of these salesy, fluffy business podcasts, it just gets to you. It really pisses you off. And that's how I felt with these mics. It's like, man, why am I bothering with this fragile setup? So Got rid of the boom mic, got rid of that. Now I'm just using the headset because it's anti-fragile. It works 100% of the time. So I like this setup. And I also like it when you can find podcasts that gives you real actionable advice. So I'm so happy the Info Product Mastery podcast is delivering that for you. Great, really appreciate it. The second review here comes from username Swamplander1. He says, actionable guidance for developers interested in info products from a trustworthy source. Just finished binging the first three episodes and love it. Hungry for not just podcasts like this, but communities for birds of a feather to chat about info products. As developers, the marketing and product nurture development isn't a familiar concept. Adrian has the bona fides to back up what he's saying with the business and products he's launched. I had high hopes and was pleasantly happy with what I heard in episodes one through three and looking for more to come. It's nice of you to say, Swamplander. And if you would like Your review read here on the show. Just open up the Apple Podcast app and leave a five-star rating with a comment. I'll be sure to read the comment here. Secondly, I also want to highlight a great listener comment I received from Syak Paul on episode nine. In that episode, I talked about the six biggest mistakes I made running Image Search, my previous info product company. One of the mistakes I highlighted was having unrealistic expectations of your subordinates. Syak pinged me and he said that he thought peers was a much better term it implies less of a hierarchy and that no one on the team holds more power than everyone else. I agree with him and I wish I had used the word peers more in that segment of the episode. When building a company, you want your team members to feel valued like their input matters and that no one person is quote unquote better than the rest. And in many ways, that's 100% true. You're going to hire people who are better copywriters than you are. You're going to bring on people who are better email support representatives than you are. And you'll probably hire an accountant who is way better with tax code than you are. When you hire someone, you should be seeking to fire yourself from that responsibility so you can focus on other more important areas of the business. And ideally, the person you hire should be more skilled in that particular area than you are. So by forming a group of peers rather than subordinates, people on the team feel more value. At a psychological level, that just makes the team run better. However, there is a bit of a caveat to this. And I think... This peer versus subordinate relationship breaks down when it comes to super important decisions about the business, especially when you start digging into finances. So let's say due to economic and market conditions outside of your control, you know, COVID being a great example, your business just tanks and you need to fire or lay off some team members just to keep the company afloat. Some peers on your team will have to go so that other peers can stay. Well, by definition, this isn't a pure decision. That is one made through a hierarchy where the business owner and the stakeholders have to make some extremely tough calls. And also, to be honest, if I'm the one signing your paychecks and handing them to you and the money is leaving my bank account to go into yours, well, that also implies a degree of hierarchy. And I think it's good to acknowledge the existence and the presence of this hierarchy instead of trying to sweep it under the rug and pretend it doesn't exist. I don't know what the proper balance is here, but my gut seems to tell me that as the business owner, you should strive to treat everyone on your team as peers somewhere between 90 and 95% of the time, but there will be times that for your own psychological health that the subordinate mindset is appropriate. I don't believe 100% peer mentality is good for a business owner's health, but I also believe you should strive to maintain that peer mentality as much as you can because that impacts the mental health of your teammates and you want them to feel good, want them to feel safe, want them to feel empowered while working with you. So thank you for the comment, Sayak, and I'm happy we could have that discussion here on the show. With that said, let's dive into today's topics, three resources I use to learn marketing and copywriting. This episode was inspired by four separate people emailing in and asking me how, as a developer and programmer, I learned how to write copy that makes sales. That includes copywriting for sales pages, email campaigns, calls to action, long form sales pages, all that type of stuff. And believe it or not, I was not a natural at writing copy. In fact, I was downright horrible at the beginning. And I think this is because as developers, one of our superpowers is that we were logical, linear thinkers. We work in code, we understand logic flow, and we can build elegant solutions to highly complex problems. And in order to do that, we're sort of taking a, one large monolithic task and breaking it down into subcomponents and into sub-subcomponents and into sub-sub-subcomponents, and then we're able to form a solution. It's very linear A to B style thinking. However, copywriting, that's not logical linear thinking. Copywriting is, is all about two words, emotion and empathy. And emotion and empathy, well, they aren't linear. They don't follow a particular pattern. And they can't really be reversed engineered and divided into subdivided into smaller logical components. And for those reasons, I think that's why you see the stereotype of developers not being very successful at copywriting. It's just simply not in our wheelhouse. The good news, though, is that you can train your brain to become a successful copywriter. Copywriting is all about putting yourself in the mind of your customers. What are their aspirations? What are they trying to accomplish? What are their fears? And perhaps most importantly, what are the consequences of them failing? Asking these questions develops honest empathy for your customer and their particular situation. Then when it's time to write copy, you're not selling them on features. You're actually selling them on a transformation, a path from who they are now to who they want to become. It takes time and it takes practice, but it's absolutely doable for a programmer to learn how to write copy. So let's dive into three resources I recommend. The first is Joanna Wiebe's Hackers Program. Joanna's books on copywriting were like a breath of fresh air when I was first learning how to write copy. I truly, truly, truly did not know what I was doing back then. I was just editing sales pages, putting in text, and describing what my product or service was, and just hoping for the best, sort of this spray and pray approach, right? Joanna was the first person to show me how copywriting could be broken down into this semi-lucid formula. And if you followed her brainstorming prompts, you'd come up with headlines and copy that would resonate with your potential customers. Back then, she had like six or seven bite-sized books on copywriting, which covered topics like the psychology behind messaging, writing headlines, sublines, and value props, buttons and calls to action. I think there was a book on writing and formatting body copy for emails and sales pages. Then she even had a dedicated book on the dark art of long-form sales pages. These were great books, and each one was under 60 pages and could be read in a single sitting, However, I found myself rereading each one multiple times. The book, combined with the accompanying worksheets, they trained my brain to think in terms of the customer and write better copy. These books were published back in 2014, and since then, Joanna and the Copy Actors team have updated the content and reformatted them as courses. I'll link up Joanna's courses and content in the show notes. The second resource I recommend is the Copy Hour program. I really love Copy Hour, and it's such a simple idea. And it really works. So basically what happens is you sign up for the program and then each day for about eight weeks, you receive an email with an attachment of an old school sales letter. You know, one of those multi-page sales letters that would come in the mail and try to t- and sell you something. Well, those old sales letters, they could bring in millions of dollars. They actually worked. So what you're gonna do is learn from these old school sales letters. You're gonna learn how to write like those copywriters. To accomplish that, all you do is take out a pen and a piece of paper and you write out by hand every single word of that sales letter. The process can take 30 to 60 minutes, and for it to work, you got to give it your full and undivided attention, and you have to do it daily. What's going on here is that you're training your brain to write like the copywriters in the long-form sales letters, and it's actually not that hard to copy another person's writing style. You just hand write out their content, and eventually your brain rewires itself to write like them. Like I said, it's this incredibly simple idea, and it sounds like total bullshit, but I'm telling you, it actually works. When I ran PiMate Search, I had two developers who had never written a single word of copy in their lives go through the program. And by the end, they were able to write copy for email opt-ins and calls to action, and most importantly, the copy that they wrote, well, it converted visitors into subscribers and the subscribers into customers. The copy hour program launches in cohorts, So if you'd like to join the program, you'll need to head to their site and enter in your email address to learn about when the next cohort launches. I'll link up copy hour in the show notes. The third and final resource I want to recommend is the McMethod Podcast and Drop Dead Copy. John McIntyre is the host of the McMethod Podcast and I first came across his work in something like 2013, 2014 when I was looking for resources on copywriting. I remember being just blown away by his podcast. There was so much tactical knowledge there. It wasn't theory or academic-based. Absolutely everything was about results, how to make sales, how to write good copy. He's also had some insanely successful copywriters on his podcast, including James Franco, Andre Chaperone, Ezra Firestone. All of these people were just sharing lessons learned, what has worked for them from making millions of dollars in sales from copywriting. They were also a good mix of these old-school copywriters that were you know, creating these uh, sales letters mixed in with your web copywriters as well. You could literally learn the best of two worlds there. Of the three resources, I think the McMethod podcast was the one that helped me the most. Joanna's content helped me create this mental model for copywriting, but it was John's work that allowed me to hone my craft over time. But I'll insert a little bit of a disclaimer here. John's podcast really isn't for the faint of heart. It can get a little vulgar at times, and some of the tactics taught on the show can be considered extremely aggressive in terms of sales. Think about all the spam emails and the sales pages you saw in the late 1990s and to early 2000s for Viagra and other supplements. Some of the tactics shared on the show come from that style of copywriting, which can be super aggressive and super off-putting, especially if you're marketing to other developers who are just you know, resistant to copywriting in general. And I'll share two personal stories here about where my copywriting went wrong. Early in the pioneer search days, I wrote and sent an email immediately after listening to an episode of the Big Method podcast. And one person replied back saying that I sounded like a pickup artist. And I was like, what is a pickup artist? I've never heard that term before. So I had to Google it. And I found out that a pickup artist is this stereotypical like, sleazy guy who goes to bars and tries to pick up women and bring them back home. And he's just very good with his words. He's smooth, he's suave, right? That's what a pickup artist is. I was like, man, that is that is interesting, and I I went back and I re-listened to the podcast and the guest they had on the time. Well, he kind of gave off that that vibe, so it made sense that immediately writing an email after listening to that episode, you know, it kind of gave off those vibes. So I understand that, and that's just again a little bit of a warning when you when you go through that show, you know, you gotta you gotta cherry pick what's important to you. The second story I call the uh, scent from my iPhone story. So if you have an iPhone, or have ever received an email from a person who sent the email from an iPhone, at the bottom of the email footer, it says, sent from my iPhone. Well, I had listened to an episode of the podcast that kind of talked about this idea of personalization in emails, and then I was at a conference, and this person, they they shared a story about how they made sales by almost pretending that the email was sent from their iPhone. The, The goal here was to make the person on the receiving end, the subscriber on your email list, Feel like you are actually emailing them from your iPhone. Make it personal. Develop this rapport and the connection. So the, the tactic here was to write a super short email, like two to three sentences max, even include typos and a few words to make it seem like you were literally typing it on your phone. And at the bottom, include that iPhone signature sent from my iPhone. Well, I did that and I sent out an email to my email list. It was probably only a few thousand people at the time. But a person replied and he said, bro, you're trying too hard. Let the sales come naturally. It will happen. And to be honest, he was 100% right. I was focusing way too hard on the tactics instead of the content. And after I learned that lesson, I never used any fake tricks like that again. I let the copy speak for itself. And that worked out well, ultimately built PyMage Search into the seven-figure business it is today. My point is that you should use the McMethod Podcast to help you learn copywriting but take everything you hear as suggestions and more importantly, as inspiration. You don't want to treat it as the gospel on how this is copywriting should be done. Take what resonates with you and leave the rest. That about wraps us up for today. I hope this list helps you learn copywriting. And if you have any resources that you found helpful when learning how to write copy, send me a note. I'd be happy to add it to the list. If you have any questions about this episode or suggestions for future episodes, send me an email at questions at infoproductmastery.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star rating in whatever podcast or app you use, whether it's Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, or Spotify. Not only do these reviews help motivate me to create new episodes, but they also help other developers, educators, and entrepreneurs find the show. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.